Well, good morning, church. This is the uh, today is the second message in our Advent series entitled "The Advent of Wisdom." And as Pastor Grant mentioned last week, the word Advent means arrival or coming. And so during the Advent season, we celebrate the first coming of Christ, and we look forward to His second coming as well. Amen? Looking forward to that? Yep. The title of my message today is, The True Light Has Come. That's taken from verse 9 in the text there. The true light has come. And here's my main point, all right? So if you'll listen right now, you'll have sort of the message, and then if you need to rest a little bit, zone out, you can do that. My main point is this, in order to have light or to have wisdom, you have to possess the life of Christ. In order to have light, to have true wisdom, you have to possess the life of Jesus Christ. My main text today will be John chapter 1, so if you're not already there, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of John. And while you're doing that, let me ask you a question. Have you ever tried to figure something out but no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't figure it out. So if you're like me, you just kept digging, and about halfway to China, you come up with a brilliant idea. I need to go to somebody who has more wisdom than I do. I need to talk to someone who has more wisdom than me. That sound familiar? Anybody else out there? That Yeah, okay, thank you. So here's a few times in my own life when that has occurred. When my car is not running smoothly and I finally decide to take it to the mechanic. Or when my body is in pain and I finally make an appointment with the doctor. Or when I'm driving somewhere and I'm lost, and guys, you'll understand this, I finally do what? Finally pull over for directions, right? So we need wisdom in some of the small things of life, but even in the bigger things of life, we need wisdom even more. So some of the things that have been tough in in our life together um, was like when our second daughter, uh, Marie, was born, and she had a chromosome disorder and uh, wasn't expected to live very long. By the way, she lived to be 18, so that was amazing. Uh, But that was a time that we really needed wisdom. She didn't have any eyes, so she couldn't see, never talked, never walked. you know, God, we just, we just need wisdom, especially in those bigger moments when things are tough. Uh, when I sense God's call to the pastor, pastoral ministry, uh, that was, I needed a, a great deal of wisdom. God's call was very clear, but for me then to put into motion the things that needed to happen in order for me to get some training, and so we, we left our home in central Indiana, went to the north side of Chicago, a wife and three kids, uh, no money, not really a game plan for how this is going to work out, but I knew God was calling me to get training in order to be to pastor for him the rest of my life. The other time I needed a great deal of wisdom is after being in two traditional good churches for 20-some years, God called me to plant the church. And I won't go into the details of how he actually gave, put that call on my life, but in order to do that, we had to leave what was familiar with no guarantees, Uh, Sharon was working part-time, so we had a little bit of salary, but we came down here to Franklin nine years ago believing that God wanted to do something in us and through us. But it was going to require a lot of wisdom, so we did a a lot of praying. And I'm sure you could all rattle off a few things in your life too, right? Yep. 
Uh, Rob's girlfriend, uh, Leela, needed some wisdom uh, a few days ago. She was, uh, lives in Columbus, but went to Cincinnati to help her sister through a labor and delivery. It was her, her second baby. So she went. She got there late at night, and the sister said to her husband and to Leela, you know what? I'm not going anytime soon. Just go to bed and get some sleep. Well, about maybe two to three hours later, she woke up and she said, it is time. So they hustled through everything in the van. You know, the poor husband is, is driving the van and getting reports from Leela in the back who's with her sister. And uh, the, the hospital was 30 minutes away. So she was praying, giving a report, comforting her sister, praying, giving a report, comforting her sister. She needed God's wisdom. No medical uh, training of any kind. Well, about five minutes before they got to the hospital, guess what happened? Yep, the baby came. Leonardo showed up, and uh, God helped her to make a good catch. You know, there's no fumble there. The child was safe, and mom and, and uh, baby are doing well, so that's great. <clears throat> well, praise God, when Jesus came into the world, he became the wisdom of God to all of us who call on his name. Pastor Grant mentioned this verse last week, and I want to put it up on the screen for you to see again. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. It says, because of him, because of God the Father, you were in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? It was God's plan for you to be in Christ Jesus, and, and he had a lot to do with that, right? Because of him, you were in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When Jesus came to planet earth, he became the wisdom of God to us. So I'm trying to think logically, and I'm just thinking, if God sent Jesus with wisdom, then perhaps we should go to him and ask him for wisdom. The advent of wisdom. Wisdom has arrived, and it's in Jesus. I mean, all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are found in him, it says in, in Colossians. So you see, God never meant for us to figure everything out by ourselves. He wants us to come to Christ, not only for salvation, but for wisdom on a daily basis. So really, the message today consists of this. Come to Jesus. Let today be the day of your salvation, if, if, if he's not already your Savior. But come to him on a daily basis. Sit at his feet and listen to him speak to you. Now, that's basic, isn't it? I mean, if you've been in Christ for a while, yes, come to Jesus. But sometimes the main things get pushed aside by the lesser things, right? So today's message really is back to the main thing. But I want you to think about it more deeply, and I want you to evaluate your life and just to know, are you on a daily basis coming to Jesus, sitting at his feet, and hearing his word, all right? So let me pray for us. Father, we come to you today because we need you. We need that relationship with you as our Father, as our Savior as our God, as our King, as our Redeemer, as our Sanctifier, as the true light. We come to you today, Lord, and ask, to you, ask you to speak to our hearts. 
Speak to our minds, Father. Help us to put aside the things that happened this week and to not look ahead to the things that are going to happen today and this week. But help us to be in this moment recognizing that you are here, that you are among us, that your spirit lives within us, and that you want us to commune with you and to hear your word right now. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll fall upon each one of us and speak to us today for your glory, God, and for our good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you haven't already, please turn to John chapter 1, and I have three points for you this morning, okay? I want to give them to you ahead of time so you can see as they come up. The first point is this, Jesus Christ is fully God and the agent of creation. Jesus Christ is fully God and the agent of creation. Secondly, Jesus Christ became fully man in order to reveal the Father. Why did Jesus come? Well, for many reasons, but he came as a man, somebody that that we could identify with to reveal the Father. And my third point is life and light. And when I say light, I'm equating that with wisdom to kind of fit in with our Advent theme. Life and light are found in Jesus Christ alone. That's where we find light. That's where we find wisdom in Jesus. If you're looking forward anywhere else, stop. It's not going to help you. It's not going to further your, the sanctification process in your life. Uh, it's, going to, it's going to hinder your walk and hinder your ministry. All right, point number one, Jesus Christ is fully God and the agent of creation. Let's take a look at the first two verses in John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, so first of all, the question is, so who is the word that is being talked about? That's a logical question, right? Well, we'll find the answers in the Scripture. So let's just move on a little forward. In the beginning was the word. In other words, the word already existed before the beginning. Whoever this word is existed before the beginning. Beginning of what? Well, as John was thinking back, perhaps, to the first book, Genesis, what does that say in the the very first verse? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the beginning, to John, is probably creation. And so he's saying, in the beginning, before everything was created, the Word was there already. It existed in eternity past. When nothing else existed except God, the Word was there. All right? Verse 2 says, He was in the beginning with God. So the pronoun He indicates the Word is a person. All right? Let's keep going. It says the Word was with God. It doesn't say the Word was God there. It says with God. So this Word, this person, was in a very special, unique relationship with God the Father. And then it says the Word was God. The word, so the Word was in one sense separate from God, but in another sense, the Word was God Himself. Now, if that's hard for you to understand, Pastor Kevin is going to explain that more in detail next week. So there's just certain things that I've got to lean on Grant and Kevin with, and Kevin's going to pick that up and and cover that next week. So thank you, Kevin. 
So let's look at verse 14 for a minute. Verse 14, skip down to 14. It says, and the word became flesh. Ah, we're making progress here. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Who is the only Son from the Father? That's Jesus. And he was full of grace and truth. Sometimes when I'm evaluating my life, I think about that. I think, okay, is my life filled with grace, receiving grace, God's undeserved love, and then offering it to others, and with truth? Am I learning truth, and then am I speaking that truth in love to people? If Jesus was full of grace and truth, and if I want to be full of Jesus, then I should want to be full of grace and truth, all right? So this verse makes it very clear that the, that the Word is Jesus Christ, God's only Son, and he came into the world to reveal God's glory, God's grace, and God's truth. And we'll look more into this as we get to point two. But let me continue with point one in terms of Jesus being fully God. Uh, if you skip down to verse 18, it says, The only God, referring to Jesus, has made God the Father known. So there we see Jesus being called the only God. He came to make the Father known. And then up on the screens, we'll have some other verses here. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. And then in a conversation with Philip, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his crucifixion, resurrection, and then ascension, he's having this conversation with Philip, and Philip's not quite understanding things. So Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus, fully God. And when we consider all the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled concerning the Messiah, all the miracles that he performed, his own resurrection from the dead, the number of apostles and disciples that were killed for their faith in the resurrected Christ, and the number of people, including many of us, whose lives have been transformed by his life. He is beyond doubt the one and only God. Now, most of you probably knew that, didn't you? It's not a new truth to many of you. But just giving you the text here as we look at the incarnation as we get down to verse 14... Jesus is fully God and the agent of creation. So look at verse 3. It says, All things were made through him. Through who? Jesus, the Word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Well, I thought Genesis said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is God. They're one. He's fully God. Again, Kevin will cover that in more detail next week. Kevin, I am so grateful for you, and I'll, I'm going to be praying for your study time this week. I know God's going to bless it. I see you smile in Liverpool. <laughs> you love your daddy, I know. Colossians 1.16 sort of backs this up about him being the creator. It says, for by him, by whom? By Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and I love this part, for him. 
Jesus, fully God, created everything for the Godhead, for God's glory. Oh, yeah, we're a part of it. But we live and exist and we're in Christ for God's glory. That's the chief duty of man, right? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's what I'm talking about today, to enjoy the relationship so much that it's not a duty for you to come to Christ, but it's a delight for you to come to Christ. And I've, I've been walking with the Lord almost 50 years. I keep needing that reminder because I can get into the weeds and the details and the theology and everything else. And Jesus just keeps saying, come to me. You know, Jesus many times was, when he was talking about faith, he'd look at a child and he'd say, that's the kind of faith you need. Because as adults, I mean, fallen world, our own fallen nature that we still deal with, there's a lot of things that we have lived with over the years that distract us, that cause doubt, fear, anxiety. We all deal with those things. And when we do, it, it almost pushes Jesus away. And we need to come to him with all of those things. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, right? Jesus wants us all to come to him, especially when we're going through tough things and especially when we need wisdom. He wants us to come. Man, I don't care if you, don't, if you walk away today and that's all you've gotten from the message. I need to come to Jesus because that's the most important thing for the rest of your life that you need to remember. And to remember that because he's fully God and what we're going to look at next, that he's, he took on flesh and became fully man, who else is better qualified to go to? The God of creation, who also is that sympathetic high priest who understands what you're going through in life? I mean, there's nobody else that we should go to other than him. So, Jamin, for the rest of your life, always come to Jesus. Okay, buddy? All right. That wasn't part of the script the last few minutes, but anyway. John 14, 8 and 9. Uh, I just covered that. John 20, 27 and 28. This is when Jesus has appeared to 11 of the apostles, but Thomas isn't there. Doubting Thomas was not there. So the rest of the guys say, Christ is risen. We've seen the resurrected Christ. It's him. Thomas says, uh-uh. I'm not going to believe that unless I could put my finger in that nail hole, put my hand in his side where that spear went. I'm not going to believe. I mean, this guy is something, right? So anyway, Jesus come and comes and comes into the room. All the doors are locked. He comes into the room. Thomas is there. And so Jesus uh, said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand in this place in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. And Thomas answered him, what did he say? My Lord and my God. At that moment, it became very real to Thomas exactly who the word Jesus was and is. He's Lord and he is God, fully God. All right. Well, I got caught up in myself and forgot where I was at in the outline. So I think I said some of those things a couple times. But like Joshua said, I am not a professional. 
Evidently, you needed to hear it twice. So it's, it's your fault, you know. Get those hard hearts out of here. All right, so point one is that Jesus, the Word, is fully God and the agent of creation. Let's go on to point two. Jesus Christ is fully man, became fully man, in order to do what? To reveal the Father, okay? I love this. All right, back to verse 14, all right? Should be able to find it. We were there before. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word that was talked about in verse 1, who was fully God, became flesh. And I really don't like that rendering. Because sometimes when you say Jesus became flesh, it's like, did he forget being, dropped being God and then became man? Was that the, no. He was still fully God. I like the terminology, he took on flesh. He added a human body and nature to who he already was. So he's one man with two natures, two natures in one man, however you want to say it. He's both fully God and fully man. And he's just the right person to bridge that gap between a holy God and sinful mankind because he is God himself and he became man. He's that perfect bridge to life and to light. I love this uh, passage in 1 John 1.1. You know, the Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote three letters. So in 1 John 1.1, it says, That which was from the beginning, beginning of creation, before that, which we have heard and have seen with our eyes and looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. You know, that sounds like a real person to me. They saw him, they heard him, they touched him. Sometimes I ache, just want to touch Jesus in in sort of a a physical way. I want to put my hand in his, and I want to feel his arms around me. And yeah, spiritually, yes, that's all taking place. But I'm, I'm waiting for that second advent, that second coming. I'm excited about it. So, think about this. He came to live among us, to tabernacle, to put out a tent and be there with us. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) That would be like you or me becoming an ant in order to live with other ants in the dirt. I mean, that's even a poor illustration, but maybe it gets us thinking in the right direction. I mean, he left the throne room of heaven. Uh, Matthew 1, 23, which is a quote from Isaiah 7, 14, says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to be with us. So it's, it's one thing that, to think and talk about the miracle and power of the resurrection of Christ, but it's quite another thing to talk about the Son of God leaving the throne room of heaven, taking on flesh, and living among those who would reject him and put him on a cross. This is the most glorious thought of all in my mind, that God the Father would send his only son into a fallen world to give us exactly what we needed. What do we need? We need grace and we need truth. We need undeserved and unconditional love 
and we need wisdom. That's what Jesus came to give us. I mean, sometimes uh, this time of the year when you're thinking about gifts, what you'd like to give a person, uh, I mean, you might really take it serious, sit down and pray about it, uh, talk with your spouse, talk to a friend, whatever, try to get insight. What would be the perfect gift that I can afford that would be a blessing to this person? And God the Father, God the Son, who created the world and knows us all, looked into our hearts and said, you know what I think that people, those people need? They need my grace. Which is really, when I think about grace, I think as a, as a term that really kind of captures all of the blessings that God gives us in Christ. We needed those blessings and we needed truth. We needed wisdom. And that's what he came to give us. And when I think about Jesus being both fully God and fully man, I think about a verse, a passage that talks about his humanity and deity. And I want to ask you if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. I don't know that we'll have this on the screen. I don't think I included it because I do like it when people turn in their Bibles or they get on their phones and go to a couple different places in Scripture. Philippians 2, we see, the, we see both the humanity and the deity of Jesus. I'm going to start with verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage reminds me of the second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Anybody know the second verse? Okay, here it is. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So let me ask you a question. If you were God and the creator of everything, which Jesus we, we saw is, God and creator, and you knew all that would happen to you if you came to earth and tried to reveal grace and truth to your creation, would you have come? God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knew exactly what would happen when he took on flesh and came to live among the fall, in a fallen world with sinful people. Would you have done that? Maybe a, a better question for us this morning is, will we go and tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born? That's our mission. 
to go and to shout the good news of Christ. So let's look at verse 16. Jump down to verse 16. It says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, one blessing after another. It's kind of like the waves of the ocean. As soon as one wave comes and washes over the sand, there's another wave. They just keep coming. And the Christian life is a constant reception of one proof of God's grace after another. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing. They just keep coming. Even in the midst of disasters, God's grace, God's blessing just keeps coming. You cannot outgive God. You can, you can take that to the bank. God is going to outgive you all the time. And he knows exactly what you need. One blessing. Did you know that on a smart TV that you can pull up pictures of the ocean and waves? Sharon and I just discovered this last night. You can also put fireplaces on your, on your TV. Amazing. So if, if, if you don't know how to do that and you're technologically challenged... Sharon and I would be glad to help you with any kind of TV or computer or phone issue that you have. Just come and see us, and we'll, uh, we'll pray about it. Did I say that okay, honey? Oh, all right. So, verse 18, jump down to that one. It says, No one has ever seen God. Maybe a manifestation of God, but God in all of his glory and brilliance and light. I mean, you know, Christ appeared to... Uh, to uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, and he fell off his horse. I mean, no one's really seen the essence of God, all right? Uh, But, okay, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's hand or Father's side. He has made him known. Again, Jesus came. If we can't see God, who's spirit and truth, Jesus came in order to reveal God to us, all right? John 14, 7, going back to that kind of same passage you looked at earlier, Jesus again speaking to Philip, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, if you look at me, you do know God and you have seen him. And this truth is well illustrated in a story by Paul Harvey called The Man and the Birds. And I want to I read that to you now, all right? It just take three or four minutes here, but it's, it's, a, it's a good story. Just talking about the incarnation and the significance of Christ taking on flesh and coming to live among us, all right? Paul Harvey. I mean, in my lifetime, I can remember Paul Harvey. I think he had a radio show or something like that, and and he just had, you know, good stories and, and things like that that he shared with the audience. The man and the birds. The man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to the earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, 
snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries get heavier and heavier and heavier, and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another, and then another. At first, he thought it was someone must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter, had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled the pony. They would, that would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. So he bundled up, tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide and turned on the light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them. So he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them and waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I am not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the warm barn. But I would have to become one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring, declaring the good news of Christmas. And he fell in the snow on his knees. He recognized the whole point of the incarnation, that Christ came to reveal God to us, to bring his, his grace and his truth and his glory so that we could understand the Father more. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So point one, Jesus is fully God and the agent of creation. Point two, Jesus became fully man in order to reveal the Father. And point three, life and light or wisdom are found in Jesus Christ alone. And verse four makes it clear that the, that, that life is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Go to, go to verse four. Let me just quickly read through these next few verses and then make some comments. Verse, go back to the Gospel of John, verse 4. This is sort of the key verse, actually, for this message. In Him, in Christ, in the Word, was life. And the life, the life of Christ, was the light, the wisdom, the truth of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
talking about John the Baptist now. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, the nation of Israel, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God. Life is found in Christ, and that life is the light. Uh, listen to these verses from, from John. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. What kind of life? Abundantly. Eternal life. Abundant life. And this uh, verse in 1 John 5 was one of the first texts of the Bible that I actually memorized. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Where is it found? In his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have the Son does not have life. This is why everyone needs to come to Jesus. Without the life of Christ, you really have no life. You can't experience eternal life or abundant life without him. It's in him. That's where we find it. And verse 4 makes it very clear that the life of Christ provides that light or wisdom to people. And this is the light that will overcome the darkness of falsehood, evil, all those things that we uh, battle against. If you look at verses 9 through 11, tells us the true light was coming into the world and that even though he created the world, the world didn't know him and his own people, his own people, even his brothers did not receive him, didn't believe him. Verse 12 is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible to me. As a freshman in college, many moons ago, 49 years ago, um, God used this verse to bring me into a saving relationship with him. You see, I had been brought up in the church. I was in church almost every Sunday growing up as a kid. And I had a decent amount of head knowledge of who Jesus was, uh, what, he, what he was like, and the, the things that he accomplished. But it was just a, it was just a mental ascent. It was just a, a head knowledge. So finally, after going through a Bible study with uh, the Navigator organization, there was a guy in my dorm that led that, and we studied the Gospel of John, and God kept bringing me back to John 1.12. But to all who received him, and I kept thinking, I would have told you I believed in God, and I, I would have even said, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. But have I ever received him? Have I ever invited him into my life and just said, I'm totally yours. Take, take control of me. Come and live in, inside of me. Help me to live my life for your glory and not for my own. Because at that point in time, I was definitely living my life for my own glory. I did it in subtle ways, but I was always at the top of the list. Well, at, at one, I can't 
I don't know an exact date, but sometime during the later fall of my, my freshman year at Ball State, I lay there on my bed and I said, Jesus, I not only believe in you, but I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And God began slowly to transform my life. And I became one of those guys who drudgingly walked around campus to his classes and other things to a guy who used to skip and be late for class all the time because I was sharing Jesus and having conversations about the Lord with people. It was neat to see what Jesus did. I mean, I take no credit for it, but he transformed my life and he helped me start leading a Bible study. I mean, the Navs, you know, they quickly discipled me and then that next year I was discipling a couple of other guys my, the third year there, I was leading a dorm Bible study. My fourth year, God put me in a, a church on campus, and I was sort of a, a student pastor. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to clean toilets and windows to get these positions. But I got to also preach once in a while, help lead worship, uh, lead Bible studies with kids, talk about, you know, share the gospel with people. It was neat. All because I recognized that my belief was was not a, uh, a saving belief, and I received Christ. It's I have this box up here. It's kind of a Christmas gift. I, I kind of like to use this illustration. So, if I want to give a gift to somebody, just like God wants to, you want this gift, Jamin? All right, come on up here. So it's just like it's just like God who, you know, wants to give us the gift of eternal life. And it's, it's, you know, it's there. It's beautiful. It's just what we need, grace and truth through Christ. And God puts the gift out there and offers it to us. But is it Jamin's gift yet? Not yet. He has to reach out and receive it. There you go. It's yours. I mean, there's nothing in it, but it's yours. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Got to wait till Christmas. So uh, let me close this morning by asking you two questions, all right? I know you were waiting to hear those words. Oh, he's closing. But remember, that really doesn't mean anything to a pastor, all right? So don't get your hopes up. Two questions. Have you come to Jesus for salvation? Have you received the gift of eternal life? If you've never done that, please do not leave here today without talking to one of us and asking us, how does that transaction take place? Give us a call. Let us know. Stay here, and, and we'll, we'll talk. The second question might be more pertinent to many of you. Do you come to Jesus on a daily basis for grace and truth, undeserved love and wisdom? You know, that should be probably the number one goal for 2022 every day to come to Jesus and to let him bless you with his love and his grace, wave upon wave, grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing. I mean, let's come in here so filled up with grace and truth that it just sort of overflows into everything that happens here and at your city group and your family get-togethers. So as you consider those questions, let me share... Uh, couple last 
uh, passages of Scripture. First of all, John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, all right? He's not speaking to the crowds. He's, he's speaking to the people who were spiritually, supposedly spiritually, the sort of the highest rank in Israel. He says this, You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. You read your Bible every day, several chapters, because you think in them you have eternal life. It is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. If you go to the Scriptures, the life of Christ has to be there and active in order to understand the Scriptures and to apply them properly. In order for that light to be fully on, Jesus has to be the power source of that. You have to come to him. And I believe the principle of coming to Christ in order to receive life and light is beautifully illustrated in the story of Mary and Martha. So I'm going to kind of close with this. If you want to turn to it, you can. It's in Luke chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke is the third gospel. And again, because I'm a doer and can get distracted with my list of things to do, I always, this passage was meant for me, all right? And I think it's meant for us this morning. Verse 38, chapter 10 of Luke, right after the parable of the Good Samaritan, verse 38. This is talking about Jesus and his disciples. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, but Gary, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, Gary, Gary, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What was the one necessary thing? To come to Jesus and to sit at his feet and to hear his word. That beautifully illustrates what I'd like to challenge you to do from this day forward. To come and sit at the feet of Jesus and to receive his word. And then to go out with that light and be the light of the world, which will glorify the Lord. Let's pray.